The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to David Gibbons in Discussion. Our guest today, Aster Morgan, a photographer's journey, his work at the Fiesta de Sant'Agata in Sicily, and his images that portray this profound date in their religious calendar. I am absolutely delighted today to be introducing Aston Morgan, a commercial fine art photographer from Los Angeles, uh, been practicing his profession for some 20 years. And Aston Morgan, uh, this year, earlier this year in August, attended a festival of St. Agatha in Sicily. And uh, this is uh, Aster's hometown, uh, where he originally comes from, and we're going to be talking to Aster today uh, about his uh, photographic portfolio that he produced uh, during that festival. Aster, welcome. Thank you, David. Tell us uh, a bit about the festival, Aster. Uh, I know that you are uh, a commercial photographer, and I know that you have uh, a lot of uh, work in the the fine art uh, editorial field. What was it that that brought you to this this festival itself? Well, the, I have to say the first thing that attracted me was basically the, the testimony of St. Agatha, the, the, um, the people that, that honor St. Agatha. Um, the testimony are basically people that have, in their ancestry, have received miracles from St. Agatha, or they themselves have actually received miracles from St. Agatha. Different people pray to St. Agatha for different things. Um, Historically, they've, they've prayed to her to stop lava flows. They've used her veil to go up and stop lava flows. So it, w- it was really these people that, that first attracted me to it. And, um, you know, I must say, growing up and, and spending time there, going there when I, when I was younger, these festivals went on, but I really kind of took them for granted. It wasn't until I was, you know, a little older that I sort of realized the significance of them. Well, and, um, g- given, given that you had spent so much of your life there, how did that affect the way that you approached the festival in regards to your photography? How how did it shape that? You know, I think um, understanding the people and the sensitivity of the festival, and and not really intruding on what they were doing, but but sort of being a part of what they were doing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm able to speak their language, and you know, when I speak, I speak with their dialect because that was how I learned it. Um, that was how I learned Italian. So I was I was really able to fit in with these people. Was it a portfolio of work that you intend to exhibit? Um, it has become a portfolio of work that I do intend to exhibit. Um, I, I intend to, to create a book with this. I intend to, to try and tell the story about it. And what about the uh, the return to the, the people there in this town? How are you going to return this body of work to them to to uh, act as a form of appreciation for them allowing you to do this? Well, I'm definitely going to figure out some sort of way of contributing back to uh, Santa Agatha because they do go around and take donations before the, before the festival begins. There's lots of, lots of celebrating of her. They, they do fireworks and, and lots of stuff surrounding the event. So 
my intention is, is to try and give back to that in some in some kind of way. And, and was the the body of work was it uh, again was it shaped by the history of the event? How much research did you did you put into this in order to uh, create that body of work? How, how much uh, did you have to understand the event itself? Um, I guess the the research is just basically knowing the stories and not not definitely going into books or, or searching online and and doing research that way it's just knowing about it it's about knowing you know knowing about a family that's around the corner from where you grew up or knowing about a family around the corner of your grandmother's home and that's sort of the research that I did on it I just I knew of the people I knew of the festival I knew what was going on and and like I said it was just part of part of what happened there and um it wasn't until I, I sort of, you know, maybe got older and wiser that I, I realized the significance and the, the how special this really is. And can you tell me a bit about uh, Saint Agatha, just just for the uh, our listeners? Can you give us uh, an overview of the history of that period? Um, well, Agatha was she's basically she was born in the third century. She was she was from Catania, and um, she was she devoted her life to God. She wanted to be, for lack of a, the they didn't have nuns then, but she basically, you know, wanted to become a nun. So uh, um, a bishop granted her permission to to donate her life, to give her life to Christ. And then around the time of paganism, people started coming around and getting people to denounce Christianity, to give up their faith. And she was one of the people that refused to. They, in fact, sought her out because they heard about her. They heard about Agatha, who had had given her life to Christ, and they wanted to make her denounce Christianity because she was probably a token in this, you know, in this whole battle of, of getting people to do this. And she adamantly refused. They, um, they then began torturing her. They imprisoned her. They, they forced her to live with prostitutes. They did all kinds of stuff to her to try and get her to, to denounce her religion. They, um, and, you know, in some of the torture, they eventually actually removed her breasts. I'm sure it was, um, I'm sure it wasn't done surgically. I'm sure it was, was rather violent and removing her breasts, and she just continued to, to say that, you know, they could hurt her, they could do whatever they wanted to to her body, but she adamantly expressed that her soul would remain pure, and she, they eventually killed her. Uh, I believe the year was, was uh, 200, 250, 251, I believe, is whenever she actually died. So it was actually the, the Romans that uh, affected this uh, terrible life upon her who who um uh had this sense of uh, payback as it were uh, but the roman empire was um it was coming to an end or it was on its way out how how did the roman empire uh work into society then well sicily was basically they were ruled by different people at different times um because they're an island and they're somewhat isolated um, you know the Romans. The Romans had control. There's a lot of Greek influence. There's African influence. Um, I, I will admit it's a strange question. Okay. Um, give, given that the Romans were were actually based in Italy. Well, I know it was Imperial uh, Decius or Decius that actually that wanted that sent people down there to get her to denounce her faith. But what what was it about this this particular woman who? who created so much defiance around her you know i think um it was just her her love of christ and her love of of christianity that she devoted her life to it and she 
she vowed virginity. She, you know, devoted her life to Christ, and and that was what she was about. And that's something that that draws the people to her. And the fact that she was tortured and so, you know, brutally brutally treated and eventually killed, and then um, later on, you know, afterwards having certain miracles that were attributed to her, that's what that's what got her into sainthood. That's what what made her become a saint. And obviously, uh, today there is a huge following. Yeah, there's. Um, I mean, there's there's certain groups like, um, you know, women who suffer with breast cancer. They 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 relate to her, you know, because of what happened with 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 her during her torture. Um, there are different groups that um, that relate to her in those kinds of ways, and they they go to her and seek her and 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 ask for healing from her. It is perhaps. Uh, strange. I, I've taken a look at the, uh, some examples of your work from this, uh, this festival, and it appears that there is huge passion, uh, emotion in the, in the people that you photographed. Absolutely. Uh, so, so do they, uh, th- they idolize uh, St. Agatha? Absolutely. Um, so this, th- this, is a, uh, this is almost uh, an idolization that... Uh, is before Jesus, uh, before um, uh, Jesus as being uh, the, the, the first to follow. It seems to be in this religion that 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 Saint Agatha is this idol that 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 uh, uh, prefaces uh, Jesus Christ. Well, I, I don't want to say that she may preface Jesus Christ, but she may be someone that these people can relate to um, in in getting to Jesus Christ. Um, you know, it's not a it's not a um, a figure of Jesus that they bring around. It's it's someone who who they they can relate to. She's a patron saint of Catania, Sicily, and um, she is she's their I don't want to say their spokesperson, but she is their I guess for lack of a better word their spokesperson to Jesus. You know, um, and yes, there is a passionate. It's it's almost like a it's almost like a controlled chaos. I mean, everything that's going around and all the movement and everything that's happening and. And somehow her statue, her bust, finds its way through the city streets, down the roads that it's supposed to go on. Um, everyone takes turns carrying her. Um, people, you know, especially my family members, were actually surprised at how close I was able to get to the statue because there, there are people who spend lifetimes trying to get close enough to Saint Agatha to actually touch her. Because the the statue itself there's, was actually created with some of her bones. Some of her bones are actually inside the statue. When you were Taking your photographs of this event, what was the uh, emotional um, uh, power that, that you felt personally? How did that uh, come out in your in your images? You know, um, it, it's the, the the raw emotions of the people, the the love that they have, the devotion that they have to Saint Agatha. I mean, you really feel that, and people are praying to her and. and and shouting their prayers to her and, and shouting their devotion to her. Um, it, it, they're just there and they want to express it and they want to get it out. You know, they, they want to express their love and their devotion to Santa Agatha. In, in such a profound situation, uh, is it difficult as a photographer to, to, to get that close to the, uh, to the action? Um, I think it can be. I mean, I was, I mean, I have to tell you, I was crammed in people. Um, I, w- I was just solid, so- just a sea of people. And when when people would move, when they would move the statue, like the whole crowd would move with it, and 
people would drop off to the side and they've actually had people you know in in past years during these festivals there've actually been people who have been trampled who've actually fallen and for for whatever reason you know haven't been able to get up so there is a there's a certain amount of danger a certain amount of danger of of being in there so it is difficult to get in there um i i just worked my way in i i stood basically stood my ground and worked my end through the guys and you know i would talk to the people i was there and they would they would sometimes people around me would assist me to get in you know it was just that um you know they're also there to also protect her she she belongs to the people is is the is what it is and and they bring her out for the people so the people control it there's no there's no sense of authority there's no you know i didn't see any policemen i didn't see there's no one really controlling this you know except for the people who are carrying her for our listeners master can you tell us a bit about sicily itself well um it's an absolutely beautiful place there's um lots of beautiful things there there's there's still baroque style that that exists there that to the best of my knowledge doesn't exist any place else in the world um that's in the city of noto um there's catania sicily who was actually um the mount etna is there and catania was actually covered by lava and they rebuilt catania um there's uh you know caves with with drawings there's there's roman mosaics in palermo there's um catacombs both in Siracusa and in Palermo is actually in Palermo where they they've got mummified bodies that are actually dressed in the clothes of their profession so you go in and and there are you know mummified bodies someone's dressed like a baker or or whatever their profession is there um they're 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 a unique culture and their their language is a little bit different than Italian you can literally study Italian for you know 20 years and go to some small town in Sicily and not understand what they're saying out of interest i learned i believe it was on reuters about four or five weeks maybe four weeks ago that the uh crucifix had been banned from every educational establishment in italy what do you feel about that would that be something that, that would apply to sicily or is sicily considered independent of of uh, the mainland well no well sicily is is you know technically part of the mainland but there are many people who feel like they should cut italy off at rome and there should be a southern italy and a northern italy because there is a much more sense of family much more sense of community um i don't want to say I, i can't speak for religion but um i know they're very powerful in their faith in southern italy and um it, it it's it, it's a unique place i mean you go there and and they are they are a generous people do you not think that it's amazing though that that the uh, uh oh for the the abolition of the crucifix in in rome itself where really where it all began uh, right. is is that not an amazing event to 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 occur to, for them actually to to abolish the crucifix you know actually i agree i mean it is definitely a um a, it's a, a catholic country i know that the uh the tide is there sort of shifting i know that there's a, a large muslim presence that's starting to move into into italy i can't say that 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 is attributed to them possibly removing the cross um i don't know what what would have attributed that but yeah i think that I think that that Christianity and that cross is so much a part of their culture regardless of your background your religious beliefs that I think that that cross should remain there you know regardless of of what your your religious beliefs might be of of today that 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 cross is part of their history that cross is part of their beliefs it's part of their it's part of their fiber 
and in fact that that if you're asking my opinion on that i think that it, it should remain now in terms of your photography um uh, how did you come away from this event i can only imagine how powerful it was for you although you obviously were ensconced uh, and involved uh, by the fact that that you had been there so many times and and it was uh, practically home for you but how did you come away with that body of work when you when you got back to uh, return back to the united states well, was when it I came I, I came back I, I truly felt like i had something special i really know i experienced something special i mean it was literally like you know um surfing a tidal wave i guess you know there's there's almost no controlling where it took me i was just in there i was i was in it and i just went where it went you know um i had i had some control over over guiding if i went left or right but really that the the crowd took me where it wanted to go and i i had to sort of give control to the crowd but you know still you know still control my safety i guess and coming out of there i, I did feel it was it was something very powerful and I, I came back with something great i mean i felt so so great i mean the the adrenaline and everything that was going through i just like my body felt so tremendous after after experiencing that um i was also soaking wet i mean just the uh um it was you know the humidity and the sweat of all the people i mean it's 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 hard to explain what it was like you know of all those people just in that confined area um and the fact that this is the third largest uh, religious festival in the world that goes on lets you know how many people may have been there you know how how tight it was and and those people just pour out into other streets and into other areas and they're all trying to get to Santa Agata so when that bus comes down like all the crowd everyone just starts squeezing in so the people who are trying to move the saint through the streets they're one trying to get through the people that are with them and two trying to get to the people who are then squeezing in trying to stop them from passing but you know i don't want to say they're trying to stop them from passing trying to get to santa agata which in a sense is stopping them from passing how long were you actually photographing the festival i understand it was over several days how well, how long was it before as a photographer that you can you can take no no more you have to take a break well this particular festival the one the one that i the last one that i attended was in august the one in august is is a one day festival and that festival marks the day that her body was returned was returned to italy was returned to catania um basically her body was accidentally given away at some point i'm not not it was actually give, it was actually given accidentally given away at some point and there were a couple of soldiers who actually stole her body back and brought it back to catania and august 17th marks the day that 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 her body was actually returned so they bring her body out it's just for that one evening is the august 17th festival now the festival where they actually celebrate or you know pay honor to her death is in february the february festival is actually three days and if i'm not mistaken it's the third fourth and fifth of february which i do have plans to attend that festival this year i do have plans to return this year to photograph again and ultimately um release a book later next year and will you be writing uh, some sort of journal that will accompany the images um yes i will i'm actually i'm, I'm working on i've been conducting some research you asked me about research that I, I may have completed before the festival and like i said it was just the research of basic knowledge um but i've now started conducting research on santa agatha and knowing more about her life and i'd like to include all of that in this in this eventual book that i have and when you return uh, will that be a continuance of the project or will you treat these as separate uh, entities 
Um, I think it will be a continuance of the project. I think this is the kind of thing that that becomes its own thing. Um, it's not so much about me. It's not so much about my photography. It's about it's about it's about Santa Agata, and it's about her. You know, people who devote their lives to her. That that's really what it's about. At the end, in the end, that's what it's about. And I think that that will control where this project goes. So, what is the message? What what is the message that you are? identifying your audience with in the photography itself devotion faith um trust in god it's it's what it's what these people truly feel and that is the message that comes across here what are your plans for the future asta uh is this the the type of work that you would like to uh, continue. I know that you're uh, based in Los Angeles as a, a commercial photographer, but is this something that you would prefer to to move into uh, in the years to come? You know, I think the the way the same way I came into shooting um, shooting Santa Agata, I would very very likely be interested in and maybe be drawn to something else. There was no master plan of of going there and shooting this and and creating something. Um, this is just something that. That became its own thing. It's um, I don't know, you know, it's, it's something that happened. It's just something that happened. So, as far as future plans and, and mapping out other religious festivals, at the moment I have no. There's no plans of doing anything like that. If that's if that's sort of what you're asking. But as far as continuing to follow these, you know, the the testimony to Santa Agatha and, and following her devotees and and maybe maybe getting deeper into their stories that's something that i'm actually interested in doing this on this next trip is you know because i also have family members who who wear the wear the outfit and they're actually um you know devotees of santa agatha so my idea is to go in and, and actually visit them and go into their homes and see how they prepare for the festival and see how they devote their lives to santa agatha because i really feel like that's the other side of this story you know part of the story is santa agatha but the other part of the story is is her devotees, and I'm sure that they would they would deny that. You know, I'm sure that they would say, "No, the story is Santa Agata, and that's it." But um, I, I think that part of the story is is them and their devotion. After the the exhibitions that you'll no ha- no doubt have in the future, uh, how do you think that you could possibly be labeled? Uh, could you be labeled as a uh, um, photographic journalist? How how would that come across? Um, a storyteller. I think that I'm I'm telling a story here. Um, I think that I'm. It's it's a story through my eyes. It's what I see. It's the. It's what people open up to me and allow me to share with the world. It's um. It's the it's the trust that they it's the trust that they have in me, that would allow them to open up to me, which would then allow me to share their story. You know, I've got you know photos of people you know holding her crying and. I was in there with these guys, and I didn't—I I really didn't know any of these of these people. Um, but they allowed me to stay there and photograph the emotions and and people crying. They—they didn't—you know—they didn't turn me away. They didn't turn me away. I mean, and in fact, there was this uh, one point where I was, you know, in there taking pictures, and one of the guys that were, you know, part of carrying carrying Santa Agata, one of the guys started yelling. Um, obviously, he was yelling in Italian. He was yelling, "Fermo, fermo, fermo!" He was yelling, "Stop, stop, stop!" And I thought he was yelling at me. So I like, I picked up my camera and I stood there and I was, you know, waiting for them to like, you know, pick me up and carry me out, you know, throw me out. And um, 
he he yelled he was yelling at all the people carrying Santa Agata. He said, Faccio fare una foto. He's like, let him take a picture. <laughs> let him take a picture. So he was actually I thought I was about to get, you know, booted and um but in fact they were allowing me even more into their circle. Is is that not rather strange? I mean, with many of these religious festivals of of this depth and this passion, is it not usually a a, a private affair, or, or or is that not how it works in this festival in this in this religion? Well, um, the fact that the, the way they say about Santa Agata is that she belongs to the people, so she is of the people. She doesn't belong to the church. She doesn't belong to the priests. She doesn't belong to the city. She belongs to the people. And I think for that, that, you know, if, if you're respectfully in their, in their territory, if you're showing respect, you know, giving space, if you, if you should be giving some space, if you're gently moving in and allowed to move in, then I think that that makes it okay. You know, I think that that's when they, they will allow you in. Um, I don't think that they're going to, you know, totally push you out. But, I, I mean, I have to say it was hard to stay with them. It was really physically, emotionally, it was, it was a difficult task to stay next to this statue and to stay along with the people that were carrying her. I mean, um, you know, some of the images, like I said, I've shown the images to family members, and they just you know just can't believe that i was that close the whole time you know because of the the numbers of people that try to get to her the numbers of people who try to touch her the numbers of people who try to you know ask for a blessing from her they they they're just in awe that i was i was that close to the to her statue the entire time is is saint saint agatha the former saint the most important saint or are there other saints in in that culture well, of course, there there are other saints in that culture. There, are, you know, some of the smaller churches, um, they have small festivals like this, and I, I've photographed some of those festivals. But um, you know, there's maybe hundreds of people that attend those festivals, um, and it's you know different saints, smaller saints. One of them, they bring a statue of, of Madonna around. Um, they parade her around, and you know, they have they have smaller firework shows for her. But yes, there are other festivals. I can't even say like this because this this is so huge. But there there are other small festivals that happen around around the different towns on the usually on the saint days. You know they've got the um, different saint days that that happen throughout the year, and they will they will have ce- uh, celebrations for those saints on those days. But it's, it pales in comparison to what happens on this day. When you get home, you you must be uh, so excited to be able to illustrate your experiences to to friends, family, clients, uh, prospective customers. Uh, how do you how do you go about that? How can you, uh, having experienced something uh, that I'm sure that very few people would experience, how do you define it? How do you provide that sort of clarity and that sort of power to other people? Well, I think I'm I'm. I'm humbled by the fact whenever I sit back and I realize the culture that is a part of me, when I realize the history that is a part of me, um, I'm, I'm really humbled by that. And, and I'm thankful, I'm grateful because of the, you know, the family that I have that is there, the extended family that I have, the, the connection to these people and the, the connection to this land. 
and I guess being able to share that in a way that only someone who understands it, being, being, being able to share that as someone who, who understands it so well, I, I think is um, something I'm grateful and thankful for. It's, it's, I've, I feel like it's a gift that I'm able to share this. So when you return back to Los Angeles and you, you get back into the, uh, the, 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 the sort of commercial work that, that uh, I, I've known you uh, to be involved in over the years, uh, do you have to put on a different hat for that? Well, I feel like as, you know, being a photographer, you're, you're a business. Being a photographer, it's your, it, it is your job, it's your profession. You may love it. At the end of the day, whenever you're doing a, a job for someone, you're still having to please a client. You're still being able to come in and, and give your, your feeling, your input, you know, put your twist on it. But so whenever you are doing something commercially, if you're doing an editorial, if you're doing an ad, there is an end result that your client is looking for. And if you don't provide that end result, you won't, you know, you, you may not work again. So, but it's okay to, to have some freedom to put in your, your input. And that's one of the things that the clients look for is they, they want what you have to offer. They want what you have to bring to the table. So as far as putting on a different hat, I don't think so. But you definitely can't go in and, and, and shoot, you know, uh, an ad for, um, you know, for clothing where there's lots of blur and movement and, you know, lots of this, this energy that's in the images that, that exist in the images from the Festival of the Santa Agata. Um, so as far as wearing a different hat, I, I can't say that. It's just a, a different frame of mind. It's still doing what you love. It's still, it's still your passion. But the fact that you go off and do a personal project because showing these images and telling a story is truly part of what is, is a part of me. Um, I, in fact, you know, traveling with my wife on several occasions, she's like, leave that camera behind. Why do you always have that camera? You know, I always have the, have the camera with me. I always want to go and photograph and, and see what's going on and see what's behind the scenes. You know, I've, I've taken trips down to Mexico with friends and they're in the front of the front of an establishment looking at, at the pottery and the different, different wares that they have for sale. And I'm in the back photographing the guys making pottery. You know, I, I just somehow find myself finding those situations, you know, trying to find that story. So, and, and, and taking those images, you know, shooting those photographs. So it's definitely something that, that's a part of me or, or something that I, I love doing. Well, how does that describe you? Uh, do, is it as much a hobby as it is a profession? It is a part of my life. Um, it's more than a hobby. It's more than a profession. It's, it's part of who I am. It appears to me that so many people who move into photography have actually uh, moved into it because it was some sort of hobby when they were younger. Uh, how did you move into photography? What stirred your imagination to take that road? Well, this is a, a great <laughs> question. Um, I used to go to uh, to concerts when I was a teenager and a kid. I'd go to the go to different shows bon jovi rat oh i thought I, I thought you were going to say the beatles you're, no. you're obviously not that that <laughs> no, old <laughs> i'm not i'm not that old i'm up there but not quite but i i would i was the only one of all you know i had a group of friends that we would you know go to these different shows and um i i would i would sneak my it was a 110 camera of all things just a little 110 camera and i would sneak that in with me and i would always you know get to the front row i would always I would make fake passes 
to get onto the floor, um, to get past security, get as close as I could. They used to do these little um, wristbands in, in New Orleans at the UNO Lakefront Arena. They'd give you, you know, the little plastic colored wristbands that they put on people while approaching the show. And that to have, if you had that wristband, you were allowed down in the general admission on the floor area. And I would often have a, you know, a seat up in the nosebleed section. But what I would do is I would actually take construction paper and make fake wristbands of every color of construction paper I had. And whenever I would show up to the show, I would see what color they had. I would put this little piece of construction paper on my wrist, and I would get down. I'd go and shoot, you know, Ozzy Osbourne, you know, all the metal bands that were that were big whenever I was growing up. Um, that's what I, you know, that's what I would do. And, and you know, now I still seek that. I still try and get backstage. I still try and get, you know, except my backstage now is, you know, in the with these people at Santa Agata. My backstage is the guy making pottery behind the shop. You know. So I've always been interested to 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 get back there. Um, some of the people of you know images that I I used to admire were those of like, you know Neil Preston, Jim Marshall. These were all music photographers, and you know their backstage pictures, their their images up on stage. Um, now I'm you know I really I don't know if you know I've heard of Herman Leonard. He's someone else who shot jazz and like shot all these people, and he he was inside their lives when he was photographing all of this and. And those are people I've admired. I've, I've now since been able to be friendly with these people. I've been able to work with these people. So it was it was great being able to, you basically your heroes to then eventually become friends with them. So that's what got me into photography. Was, was basically music, music photography, and and the images of of these music photographers is what got me interested in photography. How does photography affect our society? How how strong are images in our society? I, 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 this is a uh, simplistic question. I, I I hand you that, but images are a, a part of our life. Um, w- what is it that uh, influences so much about images and the, and these types of images that you are talking about? Well, I think that um, there's a historical value to some of these images. I mean, the same way I, I don't want any fine art major or, or painter to, to get upset with my, with this, but the same way people look at, you know, images of Rembrandt and they can show history and they can, you know, show stories and that, you know, in that, that same line, these pictures that are being taken now on film, not, not on canvas, but these same images tell stories and, and, and tell history. And as far as influencing society, images move people. Images tell stories. Images deliver messages. Um, so, so that, that's what I think images are for society, though. Did you always look at it that way? Uh, did you look at it that way when you first started? You must have had a different outlook at that stage. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's something that, that has come with experience and age, I guess. Um, and looking at it, it was just basically being able to capture that person, being able to capture that image. Um, being able to get that picture of Ozzy Osbourne looking right at me with my 110 camera that you'll never see because it's it's an awful picture, but when you're 14 years old taking it, you're thrilled about it. You know, um, it, it's it's being in the action. You know, being there, you become you become you almost you feel like you're part of the story. What does that uh, provide you after the fact? I mean, do you go through waves of nostalgia when you look at your old photographs? Do you 
does it uh, immediately uh, evoke the feelings that you had when you were there? Absolutely. Uh, where your life was, uh, how you were feeling, how you were struggling. Uh, does it have that range of uh, 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 thoughts for you, even when you look back over the years at photographs you may have taken ten years ago? Absolutely. There's, um, you know, you look at a, you know, I'll look at a picture that I did of Willie Nelson. And even though, you know, it's, even though I think it's a nice picture and it's a great picture and a lot of people like this photograph, I think of how I got the picture. I think of the story. I think about meeting him. I think about the whole hour that I spent getting to that 60th of a second of capturing that image. I don't just look at the picture and, oh, well, that's a great picture. For me, it's, it's, it's much more emotional. And that's one reason why, you know, um, photographers are really bad editors of their work if I may put that out there. And it's because we are emotionally attached to a lot of our images. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? You know, it can be a bad thing. It can be a bad thing because uh, there may be a picture that there's, there's a big story behind it and you're emotionally attached to it, but it's, it's not quite a 10, it's more of an 8, and that's something that you shouldn't be showing, you know. That's a great story, but, you know, keep the story. You should put this photo away. Well, what do you have to... What do you have to accomplish as a photographer to make sure that you don't become uh, possessive or egotistical over your work, that you uh, give some sort of freedom to that work so that others can be um, uh, well-appointed uh, not only to what you were trying to create but also have the ability to, to judge whether that photograph... Um, uh, has merit. Uh, how, how are you impartial in that area? Um, or are you not? You know, I don't <clears> think <throat> I am. I, um, I, I don't want to... There are people that you can seek to help you with your portfolio. There are people that you can seek to help you edit your website. Um, there are people that, that can help you select images to show in a body of work. You know, for instance, this, this body of work that I have of, of Santa Agatha there may be an image that I, I may have overlooked that someone else can point out, you know, this is, this is a shot you should include. Or there may be an image that whatever I was feeling emotionally at that moment, I for some reason chose that image, but then you may come along and say, Astor, this picture is much more powerful than the one you chose. And, you know, you, you don't understand what the emotion that I was feeling behind it or emotionally why I chose that photo. You just understand which photo evokes more emotion from a viewer. And that's something that photographers, you know, something that we that we battle with when showing our work. What is the future of photography as a career, Aster? I obviously we have moved into the digital environment over the last fifteen years. Uh, I believe that you still shoot film, and and if you do, uh, is there a reluctance? to move to digital because it not may not provide the same uh, creative emotional experience what what are the uh, what's the criteria there uh, behind uh, your choice of film over digital or the other way around um well for me it, it's 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 sort of like what i feel like doing at the moment um i do shoot digital and digital in a sense is is like film in the fact that it's just basically you know, recording the image the same way film would record the image. So in, in that sense, that's how, you know, digital is the same. Um, to not get too technical in the conversation, you know, lighting 
is affected differently on film as it is on digital. You know, highlights, low lights, detail in the shadows, all that stuff sort of has to be understood by the by the professional that's using it. Um, you know, there are people that that think skin tones are better in film, and there is there is a difference. Um, digital is obviously getting better every single day. You know, I I. I I often tell people that you know I've got this new camera, or I'll talk about a new camera. Then I'll 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 finish it by saying, but a new camera could have come out five minutes ago. That's better. You know, that's that's how fast digital technology is advancing, and technology is advancing. Uh, a lot of stuff is going to video. One of my plans when I go to Sicily this next time is is to incorporate some video and possibly create some sort of a short of the Festa de Sant'Agata. Um, because then you can actually hear the voices and you know see the people, you know, shouting their devotion to Santa Agata. Um, so there, there's, it, it's going, it's going in that direction. It's still a vision. It's still images, and it's still someone telling their story. It's someone telling a story through their eyes. So, I, I don't think pictures will will go away. I don't think people will stop taking images. I think that. Um, you know, lots of websites or lots of ways of selling stuff or catalogs. A lot of that may be going to moving images. A lot of that may be going to video. But I, I think artwork is still artwork. You know, there's still people, you know, doing oil paints. There's still people working in, in different mediums of, of different art forms that have existed, you know, throughout the centuries. And for that, I, I don't think photography will go away. Um, I do carry in my camera bag. I, I, I almost always have a camera with me one of the cameras that i do have is, is often a plastic camera um tell us either, tell us a bit about the plastic camera um plastic i mean plastic cameras there's you know there's diana's there's holga's there's lena's there's um there's all kinds of of toy and, and plastic cameras out there um plastic cameras if i've if i'm not mistaken the diana's were were started back in the 60s and then in the 80s they started making holga's and actually, in the in the past couple of years, there's been a bit of a resurgence in the use of these plastic cameras. There's um, there's a draw of the I guess the rawness or the you know really going back to basics for photographers and using these using these cameras. Um, nowadays, people from a student to an editorial photographer to advertising, wedding, fine art, almost everyone. Um, I'm going to say plays, but almost everyone plays with a plastic camera. And, 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 I mean, everyone in every every part of photography, every every profession of photography, someone has a plastic camera. Do you feel that the digital camera uh, makes you more of a technician than than it does an image maker? Um, there's, there, there are other technical things that are involved. I think that when working with film, you're almost more of a technician. And the reason why, whenever you approach a situation and you've got film in your bag, you have to look at your light, you have to judge it, you have to look at your subject, you have to judge that, and then you have to decide which film is the best film to use, which speed, which grain. How are you going to process it? Are you going to pull the processing? Are you going to push the processing? What are you going to do to create what you see here? Um, that's one thing that I think film is, is you're more of a technician, you're more of a creator, more of an artist when dealing with film. Not taking away anything from any you know, fine art digital photographer, but when creating digital images, quite often you know, photographers walk in and they just sort of start shooting. You know, they'll shoot the whole room like, you know, like they're shooting a machine gun in a Rambo movie. 
and then they'll go home and look at those pictures on their computer, and then they'll hopefully find a good image. Something that I've I've started doing whenever I am shooting digital, because you know everyone is guilty of, of having done you know the scenario I just just described. When shoot when shooting digital, I've started taking my time with it. I've started acting like I've got my Mamiya RZ67 in my hand, not a digital camera. I've started acting. I've I've really gone back to seeing the image before I photograph it. Whereas I think digital photography, I think the the standards and quality of photography that's out there has 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 suffered just as much as it has gained from the digital technology. Um, I think that people don't take time in looking at an image before they take it. They just snap away and then go home and hope they have something. Where I think I think we all need to you know start you know taking taking our time again, acting like we've got ten frames on a on a in a, in a six seven back. And take our time taking those images and really seeing the picture that we take before we take it. Clearly, the economy is dreadfully bad right now, <clears throat> and um, I'm sure that as anywhere, uh, photographers and artists in Los Angeles are hurting. What is the state of play there now in the business? You know, everyone. It's just you just got to keep keep busy. You know, if if things are slow. Um, Find that personal project to do. When things are slow, send out more mailers. When um, if things slow down for you, if if you drop off of the you know the photography radar, when stuff starts to get starts to pick up, and you know things are there, there are people working. It's not. Um, I mean, I can't say it's like it was you know eight years ago or ten years ago. Um, but you know there are people working. There are jobs out there. There are things to do. Um, and it's just you know it's just keeping out there and keeping active. You know. Interestingly, you mentioned that uh, next time you went to Sicily, you were going to take a video camera. Uh, yeah. in, in my experience, uh, especially from colleagues uh, that I attended university with uh, in the UK, a, a lot of them transformed, uh, moved from the still image into into uh, into video, into film work. Right. Is, is that something that you see yourself doing? Absolutely. If um, if I don't do it, I will. I'll, I'll become extinct, basically. If um, you don't move into that as a photographer, you, you won't be working. Uh, there's one thing in looking at that and looking at, like, you know, film guys, you know, people who work on commercials and, and films and seeing their background and, and what they do to actually create an image and then looking at photographers and seeing what we do when we create an image. Photographers kind of have the upper hand on these guys. Photographers walk into a situation and it's either them by themselves or it's them and an assistant, you know, as far as lighting and the, the you know, how we light things, it's, it's totally different to how a, a film person approaches something. You know, when, you, when, you're, when you're on a film production, even a small, a small film production, there's a camera guy, there's a director, there's an AD, there's a, you know, a DP, there's, you know, there's all these people with all these different titles. One person takes care of the lights, one person takes care of the camera, one person takes care of directing the talent. There's all these different people that have these different jobs where, in photography, it's the photographer. There's one person who does all those things. There's one person who decides the lights. There's one person who decides the camera. There's one person who connects and directs and and is is working with the talent. And that's something that's that's a little bit different. That I really feel like photographers might have the upper hand in the next phase of this digital evolution and the next phase of how things go to video. 
How do you see the future of, uh, of the of the business sector as to in the next couple of years? Uh, from what you can see, how do you see the future for photography, given that advertising has been so hard hit? Um, I, I feel like there will be more video. Um, I think that video will complement the stills, and stills will complement the video. I think with the the different applications and the you know websites and the ways of advertising and, and getting to your client, there's um, there there are the still images and the, there's also the video images. So I, I think that in telling a story like me, you know, telling the story of, of Santa Agatha, I don't think it would be complete if I didn't didn't incorporate some video. I don't think I would be able to tell the whole story if I didn't have some moving images. Where uh, is your life going to be taking you next? Are you going to be uh, working on a lot more of these type of assignments in the future? Um, probably. If if something if something attracts me, I have to say yes. I, I can't say I, I can't say no. Um, I can't say yes because I, I don't have a, a plan or. or you know what is the next thing that is going to draw me? Um, it is a personal project. It is a um, it is a passion to cover this. It is a passion to photograph this. It's a it's a personal drive to tell this story. So yes, I think that something will draw me. You know, I, I, I there are other things in in the world that that will draw me. So. In short, I have to say yes. There is something more that there is there is more to do. And for our listeners, whereabouts are you going to be exhibiting this work? Do you have any uh, definitive information at this stage? Um, as far as Santa Agata, I have uh, there's nothing definite as of yet. Um, but I'm sure I'll have something in you know shortly within the new year. And what sort of environment would you be exhibiting in once you you have that in place? Would you be looking at a, 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 a gallery or would you be looking at a Getty or how, how does that work? You know, one place that I've, I've always liked that I've, I've visited, especially with my children, taking them there for Italian classes, is the Italian Cultural Center. And I think that, um, you know, if, if, you know, I'm sure that the director of, of a gallery would have to be the judge if, if these images are, are, are proper for their walls, but I really think that the, uh, you know, the ground level for this is, is showing the culture, and I think that that's part of what I'm showing. So I think that, that starting with like a, the Italian Cultural Center, maybe doing something with the consulate, I think that that might be a good idea to, to start with this work. And you'll obviously return back to uh, Sicily and, and have an exhibition there for them? Absolutely. That is also in the talks. I have different family members that are telling me where I can, what I can do, and where I can, where I can uh, exhibit this. Um, but I think that that's all a, a, you know, a natural progression. I think that that's something that that is inevitably will happen. Inevitably will happen. Um, but as far as laying that roadmap out, I think that that's that's a task that that can't really be done. I don't think. And is this something that you can replicate in this country, Asta? We, we're coming to the end of our program here, but are these sorts of events available to you in the United States? Um, in short, I have to say no. Um, there, there may be smaller festivals the same way that there are smaller festivals around Sicily and, and around Catania. Um, but in short, there's no... Um, I, I don't want to put down my, you know, put down my country, but there, there's no unity, there's no... I don't think there's any one power that's so powerful as the Santa Agata is. There's nothing that goes back hundreds of years as Santa Agata does. Um, not in the States. I mean, you know, there are festivals and Mardi Gras and, you know, things that, that go on here in this country, but there's nothing that is 
everyone who was there is there for one purpose to express their devotion to Santa Agatha. So in other words, uh, that sort of passion would probably not be available to you as a photographer in this country? I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see it. It's, is, is, there, is, that, uh, is there a sadness behind that, uh, that response I hear from you? Um, I want to say no. There's, I can't say that there's a sadness because it would take away from, from how special this event is. Um, so, in, you know, in short, in short, my answer is no, because, uh, because then this wouldn't be so special. But um, do I wish that there was something? Yeah, I wish that, that there was something that, that our culture as a whole can, can, um, can go to. I, I wish that there, that there were something like that, but, there, but there's not. How, how do you, uh, in closing, how do you see the United States compared to a, a country like Italy? Asta, you, you must have uh, uh, profound feelings about the, the differences in the culture and perhaps where the United States uh, is, is finding itself uh, at, at, this, at this time. Well, I have to say, you know, growing up and, you know, going between the two cultures, you know, being in the States and, and going to Sicily, there have been on more than one occasion people wanting to argue with me over which country is better, Italy or the United States. And, and I've always, you know, I've always said, you know, neither one is better. They both, they both have their good. They both have their bad. They both shine. Um, they both have something to offer. Um, so I, I can't say that the one country is better than the other country. That, that's something I've, I've adamantly said, even though someone would want to argue with me over which is better, you know, uh, football or soccer. You know, that's the, other, that's the other big argument people want to have with me is, you know, which is better, football or soccer? And I just, you know, I, I, don't, I avoid those, those conversations. So in the future, you'll find yourself working wherever, wherever the work takes you, essentially. That's a, that's a great way of putting it, um, where, wherever life takes me. And uh, do you have any assistance at the moment? It's, it, from a statement earlier, it sounded as if you were uh, making the, the photographer a, uh, an insular position. I, I take it that you do all your work on your own? I do, yes. Well, uh, Aston Morgan, uh, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, having you on the program today, uh, and I'm sure that our listeners will have plenty of questions for you in the future on our blog. Uh, thank you again, um, and uh, we certainly wish you luck with your career. David, thank you so much, and I'd, I would be happy to converse with your listeners. To our listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. We'll look forward to seeing you at the, during the next program and uh, wherever you may be in this world. Good morning. Good afternoon and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors. again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the voice america business channel for more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest please visit voiceamericabusiness.com
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Are you ready to go green? You've asked, and we've heard you. Voice America presents the Green Talk Network. Environmental topics are at the forefront of our society, and the Green Talk Network is here to keep you up to date on the latest trends and new innovations for the eco-conscious lifestyle. We'll help promote a variety of ideas on the environment, from global warming issues to how you can become more eco-friendly in your daily activities. Be a part of the solution, not the problem. Visit the Green Talk Network page on voiceamerica.com and tune in to help spread the green.